0: Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you as a parent gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregson shares a personal devotional to help you as you walk through life with your teen. Let's hear what Mark has to say. I thought I would spend some time talking about this, and, and, and it's out of James 1.19, the scripture that says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you've been listening to me um, for any amount of time, you know that I have a tendency to tell it like it is, and so I'm warning you up front. This devotion may step on some toes, and, and while I want to say, you know, I really don't want to do that, I I want to I want to jump up and down in your toes uh, if you're doing this. And uh, so, as kids say today, I'm going to say sorry, eh, not sorry. You know, it's important to talk about certain communication styles that many parents employ. And I'm focusing on two styles in particular, nagging and lecturing. Stop. Just stop it. I mean, quit doing it. If you keep these bad communication habits when your kids become teens, I predict that you will destroy your relationship. Okay, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a few assumptions here. In most families, mothers do more of the nagging, while fathers have a propensity to lecture. And let me set the background for my theories. Moms love teaching their kids. Watching little ones grow, develop, and begin verbal engagement is absolutely wonderful. Moms get in the habit of teaching, and kids go through the age of 12 being need to taught. It's the right model. Teaching involves repetition, constant questions, continuous urging, and helping with appearance and behavior. And moms do a wonderful job at this. They desire the very best in the lives of their little children. And I venture to say moms get more involved in the lives of their kids during the first 12 years of their kids' lives than dads do. (laughs) Am I getting myself into trouble here? Okay, dads love to transfer thoughts, opinions, and the lessons they've learned to their kids. But when children are young, dads pretty much stay in that let's play mode, you know, when, when those little kids turn 12 or 13, dad springs into action, and suddenly these kids need to take more responsibility, start growing up, learn some lessons, and hear about the duties in life. So many dads believe they will miss their window of opportunity if they don't gather all their message together and start lecturing. Their lectures are meant well, but lectures are talks or speeches given to teach. They work well in groups— of adults mostly. They can be disasters when focused on an audience of one. A lecture is for teaching, not training. A discussion is by far the better route, where the focus of the conversation is not what dad has to share, but more on what the child has to learn. One daughter I know described her dad as a know-it-all who never wanted to listen to anyone. And she told me this one time. She goes, he might as well go in the bathroom, look in the mirror, and have a conversation with himself. He needs no one else to talk to, she said. That should not be a dad's reputation with kids. And, of course, I'm sure mom's lecture at times when there's times that dad's neck. Both can take note here. But I want you to listen to this. A Google search of the Oxford Dictionaries for the definition of the verb nag defines it as to annoy or to irritate with persistent fault-finding or continuous urging. Merriam-Webster says this, nagging is to annoy someone by often complaining about his or her behavior, appearance, etc., to annoy with repeated questions, requests, or orders to cause someone to feel annoyed or worried for a long period of time. You know, most parents tend to communicate through repetition, which is needed before adolescence, but it must be transitioned away from when kids hit their teen years. What was once an effort to help them through the multiple reminders, now it irritates them. In a sentence, some parents tell you what they're going to tell you, then they tell you, then they tell you what they told you. And if that doesn't work to get someone's attention or change their behavior or thoughts, they'll say it again. And while I'm saying I'm exaggerating a little, I really don't think I am. And I think you get the point. A nagging wife or parent, as I would say, is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Stopping her or him is like trying to stop the wind. It's like trying to grab olive oil with your hand. That's Proverbs 27, 15 through 16. The nag annoys with repeated questions or orders that may sound like something like this. (laughs) Hey, do you remember what I told you? Do you remember today is so-and-so's birthday? Did you clean up after yourself? Do I need to repeat myself? Are you listening to me? Did you buy a Christmas gift for your brother? Did you take care of? Why isn't that done yet? The nag never stops. And the crazy thing about this is that they wonder why they get responses, you know, from their, from their child that says this, okay, okay, I get it, or hey, stop, I understood you the first time, or I, I got it, I heard you, no, I didn't hear you, I just wanted to hear you repeat it again. I had a little sarcasm there. Or when you have a child that says, you don't need to tell me again, I'll get on it when I have time. Right? Child may even say, I'm not an idiot. And if you have your child responding to you in that way, then you know that all these responses are spoken out of a great sense of frustration. If they don't snap back at you, your your child may instead shut down and shut you out. This is how teens think when someone continually reminds them of what to do, what to remember, or how to behave. Your daughter thinks you believe her to be incompetent and irresponsible. Your son thinks you're telling him he can't be trusted to complete a project. Your children will get the message what you think uh, about them uh, when they're inadequate or immature or ignorant. Are you trying to communicate that they're not capable of handling what's in front of them? Well, that's the message you send when you nag, because that's what they hear. And you know what? Your kids may be incompetent they may be irresponsible, they may be untrustworthy, they may be inadequate, and they may be ignorant, but they're still learning. They're still kids. But bigger kids want and need to do more figuring out on their own. Sometimes they fail, sometimes they don't handle well the requests that you put before them. But I can tell you this, nagging eliminates influence. Nagging at teens inspires rebellion. It makes teens vow not to do whatever it is that you're nagging about just to spite you and they will eventually write you off. Teens who feel inadequate when nag will try to get away from their hurtful experiences by cutting you out of all future conversations and you'll miss out on your call to connect with your children and they'll miss out on all your wisdom because they've already turned you off. One man, I remember one young man described his mom as one who always felt the need to focus on the negative. She always demeaned her kids. She wanted to do a good thing by pointing out areas where her grandkids could improve, but her presentation came out all wrong. They just didn't work well. So, you know, teens need parents to focus on them, but not only on the parts that that need improvement, so I always encourage people to put your emphasis on the interest of your children. Extend grace, not condemnation. When you nag, it focuses on what they aren't doing. Instead, focus on the good things. Have I nagged about this nagging stuff long enough? <laughs> I don't want to step on your toes, but I hope I am in some way, because it may just save the relationship that you have with your child. You know, truth be told, your kids probably hate your lectures, They love your stories, but they can't stand your lectures. Lectures are ineffective and bore your kids to death. Conversations and discussions are two-way streets. No one's eyes should glaze over. So you need to aim for dialogues, not monologues, with your children. You know, remember to to unpack your wisdom over time and in many conversations. Don't feel like you have to dump on them all at once, like you have to spill everything you know all in one setting. Some topics may come up for years and some may be addressed only once. You don't have to play the whole deck in one talk as if you'll never have your child's attention again. If one of you are on your deathbed, then I would understand this technique. If not go easy. I know you want to transfer your sage advice to your your children's world uh, and hope that your child will get better and they won't suffer the consequences as you did. That's a great goal, but it needs to be met over time. So make sure you move from lectures to discussions. And, and, And what I wanted to share with you in this more than anything else is try something different Try not to nag, repeat, be constant, uh, quit trying to lecture all the time, but try something different. You know, I prefer, you know, a half dozen 10-minute conversations than I do one hour long conversation. I don't know why. Maybe it keeps a kid's attention, but it keeps them coming back to me. You know, take advantage of these times that, that um, when your kid approaches you. But do just something different. What you're doing is not wrong, but if it's pushing your child away and not drawing them to you, then it's not working. And you've got to be asking yourself that question, why is it not working? So it's engaging with them differently. It's learning to, to say, let's do something different. And what may be different even in all of this is instead of open-ended questions, have open-ended discussions. You know, and and that means you don't have to fix everything all the time. It may be, you know, that you answer your kids and you say something like, you know, I need to think about that before I answer. Or, you know, I'm not sure, but I'll find out and circle back with you. Or, you know, I don't know. Can we talk about this later? Wow. Hey, that's a tough question. I'm not sure. What do you think? Or maybe you might say this, hey, I'm interested in your comments about this can we come back to that later? Or you may go back to them later and say, hey, I was thinking about what you said a couple of days ago. Can we talk about that again? Or it may be like this. Hey, man, that's a great question. I need some time to come up with a great answer for you. And so those string of conversations over a period of time give you the opportunity to think through things and keep bringing wisdom to the table rather than always dumping it at one time. I mean, so many times when you dump everything, you come back and you go, man, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said this. But if you would have changed the way in which you have your conversations and set them up on smaller ones, you get to think in between those times that you engage. Okay, here's another thing I do. Remind your child once and leave it alone. And, of course, everybody says, well, if I do that, then then my child's not – what if they? What do I do if they don't do what I ask them to do? Then let there be a consequence. Why do you want there to be a consequence? Because you want them to start taking on responsibility for the responsibilities that they've been given. To him, who much is given, much is required. And so they get something to take away if they don't listen, and then they will learn to listen. But when you keep repeating yourself, you're nagging again. You're nagging. Stop the nagging. It provokes a child. And here's another thing that uh, I would tell you to do in your conversation with your kid. Quit interrupting. You know, interrupting, interrupting will ruin a conversation. And what you'll find is it'll ruin a relationship. The greatest barrier to effective conversation is interrupting. It's rude. It comes across as arrogant. um, And the message is sent that your thoughts are much more important than what your child has to say. Remember James 1.19 says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Here's another proverb that you're going to love. Proverbs 18.13. It says this, let people finish speaking before you try to answer them. That way you will not embarrass yourself and look foolish. Hey, let them speak. Sure, they'll stumble over their words, they'll repeat themselves, and they'll say stupid things. Nine times out of ten, you can guess what their next words will be. You might even feel bored. Still, you need to pay attention. Focus on listening to what they're truly searching for behind what they're trying to ask, and they will soon learn that mom and dad understand them. And more and more, your conversations will flourish because they know the discussions will be on their terms about their agendas and not yours. And above all, you want your children to feel honored and respected because you give them the full attention when you listen. Hey, listen, discuss, repeat. That's the model that builds close relationships and a lifetime of trust. Hey, now get out there and quit nagging (laughs) and quit lecturing. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, you can visit ParentingTodaysteens.org, HeartlightMinistries.org, or MarkGregston.com. Join us back here tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.